Welcome back everyone to an episode and my guest today is Mikhail Nazi, which is working with infrastructure development at the Aosta Foundation. Working on several exciting and high profile projects which we will speak about today. Welcome mate. Thank you, thank you Thomas, thank you for having me here and thank you to the listener of uh, the Monaco podcast. Uh, I'm very happy to share what we are doing in the Yota Foundation these days. Mm, there's several people that have been asking to have you on because I think they're that you're working in a very exciting uh, like part of the foundation where like a lot of things uh, gets published uh, around where we are able to to read up on. Yeah, yeah, uh, actually, yes, it's an exciting work. So we do work a lot with uh, uh, external partners and external projects. Uh, but uh, before that, let me <laughs> tell you a bit how do I get to the Yoda Foundation, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, just tell, tell us a little bit how you ended up in IOTA. Because that was, uh, yes, a, a process that uh, started four years ago when I joined the IOTA Foundation after my previous job, where actually I was focusing to what was initially the, uh, the dawn, let's say, of uh, uh, Web3 uh, movement. So when we all uh, were looking to retain control of our personal data, but uh, it was still too early in 2008. 15 when this all started. So in 2018, I joined the Yota Foundation and started to focus on the use of distributed ledger technologies for supply chain. I was supporting the supply chain activities and understanding how non-personal data in this case, that was to advance, but uh, proprietary data from companies can help supply chain to be much more productive. And that was my initial uh, entrance to the Yota Foundation. That was already a long time ago, four years ago. But since then, yeah, things have evolved, evolved a lot. And I uh, started to develop my own, let's say, uh, activities. I came from a background where I was very much involved in a collaborative project, collaborative R&D project that are not only basic research, but applied research and innovation uh, activities. And that's what I start to expose the foundation as well. So how to work together with other uh, partners into a public funded project. So these are probably the exciting uh, project that we work on and communicate and, and tell about. And this is where actually the number of projects that we will see later we can talk about uh, grow, <laughs> uh, grow to a point that uh, we somehow create a new let's say domain in the foundation which we call infrastructure development and we create the infrastructure development team uh, that i'm actually now leading as head of uh, infrastructure development mm. and how how is it to work in the IoT fashion do you enjoy it work it's uh, uh it's very interesting you know we are a remote organization uh, uh working only remotely well since uh, before the pandemic uh, that doesn't change our way of working the foundation works, as everybody of our listener knows, on distributed ledger technology. We are distributed as a foundation, as a way of working itself as well. So that's very interesting and was challenging at the beginning. At the beginning, I was not at all used to working in this way. I want to go to office every single day. 
I need my routine, but uh, it, it took some time, not too long, but uh, it took some time to get into this new way of working, but I might say that it's much more productive. We cut uh, short uh, commuting time. We have a way of working and communicating like Slack, so where everybody's reachable at a, a click uh, or uh, sending a message. So it's very exciting, but of course, very, very busy because as you know, we work also in very, uh, various time zone and different time zone. Uh, luckily, the team I'm leading uh, is mainly focusing on Europe, but sometimes, yes, we have to satisfy also the needs of people uh, in other, uh, uh, let's say, not only countries, but continents. So, and that makes a bit more uh, need of stretching our working hours, but all, all in all, it's very much uh, interesting and satisfying seeing how our work uh, progress and how we can communicate, how we can uh, actually enable the community with the work that we do. Uh, and whoever want to use Ayota. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine building something like you guys are doing isn't a nine to five job. No, it isn't at all. No, it can be uh, eight to six. It can be Sunday, uh, maybe 10 to four. It depends. So what actually brings you uh, forward, uh, bring us forward is actually the motivation of uh, delivering uh, outstanding technology a building uh, uh, yeah, all these sort of tools that help all the other to learn about IOTA, to use IOTA in the simplest way, because technology is down to us. Using technology is down to the community or our uh, business partner adopters. So uh, it doesn't need to be a nine to five job. It has to be a job where you understand your task, you understand why you want to do those tasks, which is uh, developing IOTA community. And, and empowering them and then work on that so that's the most important thing i would say mm. and, and what is the the infrastructure development team is doing and like why, why is that i group yeah yeah we as i said i started uh supporting as a technical analyst uh, the supply chain uh domain so i was the guy mainly saying uh right you have this problem as a supply chain stakeholder blockchain can play a role Better than blockchain, distributed ledger like IOTA, which all know we all know that have exciting features, security like any other blockchain, but fee less uh, transaction, uh, much more sustainable technology, uh, less energy consumption. So I was the guy that was basically uh, helping the other to understand how to use and leverage this amazing technology, which is IOTA in their projects uh, at, at architecture level. Uh, but since then, uh, I start to look in a more, let's say, horizontal way. I start to look in a way that most of these end users of the technology, they all face the same problem. So they all uh, need simple ways to use uh, IOTA, uh, which is already simple, but some of them are not uh, deep uh, expert in uh, distributed ledger technologies. Uh, they don't want to build uh, probably a team in their own uh, company to start to uh, use distributed ledger technologies, the skill set that is needed. So we need to simplify as much as possible the way to access the technology. We need to start to have in mind the same paradigm of using the technology uh, that cloud uh, and cloud services. So make it simple, make it accessible, make it uh, easy to use uh, by company that want to invest in the results and the value distributed ledgers and blockchain in general can bring to their business rather than actually becoming expert uh, in the technology itself. So, and since then I start to 
shift a bit my focus, try to say and see, okay, what kind of tools and services we have to, to build for all the other vertical domain, whether it's now supply chain, whether it's uh, mobility, these are the other sectors we have in the foundation. Let's try to be a bit more agnostic and understand the problem of these stakeholders and give them the tools uh, that they need. So, and that's how the idea of uh, infrastructure development came, came, came out. So uh, where we start to design my new role as the role that look after all this problem and try to understand the technical solution that will make all these stakeholders to be much more comfortable using the technology. Can be a set of APIs we'll talk about later, uh, can be a set of services that easy to deploy uh, and run in your own cloud environment and so on and so forth. All of this doesn't uh, contradict the, the power of decentralization because all these services can be locally either down load and install and manage or can be delegated but still the delegation doesn't mean that somebody has a decision how this uh, service should be able. so this created the of infrastructure development team so the team that actually build these tools for any other vertical domain try to be agnostic to that and in order to fund also this this this, uh, uh, this team i start to also uh, look back to my previous experience the one of uh, building and attracting uh funding from 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 public uh, framework in particular the european uh frameworks there are values that require most of uh, the time to to build consortium and to basically uh build uh offer called uh proposals for acquiring money to deliver new solution that most of the time leverage uh existing technology or mature existing technology i always try to position with different other stakeholders starting from their problem, what kind of uh, value benefit can bring IOTA and all this framework. We talk about streams, we talk about identity, but also how we make easier for all these stakeholders to use it. And we start to get quite a number of projects actually that <laughs> give us this public funding to deliver and this new technology, this new, let's say, I would call a middle layer uh, between the ledger, the framework and the other uh, tool that want to use IOTA, the other database, the other ERP systems, uh, the other uh, uh, app and whatever. So that want to use the, the, the IOTA in, in the best business way, creating technology that is always open source uh, and uh, yeah, has the value and the idea in mind to enable the community, to enable adopters. So we don't want people and other business spend time to access the ledger and this functionality, but just build solution on that. So that's the, the overall concept of the infrastructure development team that we grow quite, quite, quite a lot now. So uh, of course we work as a matrix organization. You might have already know about this from, from other uh, guests, uh, fellow guests of, of this podcast. So we are quite agile. So the resources are not necessarily allocated to one project and another. So, but basically, yeah, with this with this uh, uh, infrastructure development uh, grants, we 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 managed to get in the foundation new people uh, like technical analysts, uh, software uh, engineers, senior software engineer, project manager, that all focus primarily on this kind of uh, project, but also yes, of course, serve any other purpose of the foundation. Hmm, and uh, I. Um... I suppose you you guys are often mentioned within, uh, if that's the right term. Um, 
for those that are following closely uh, the IOTA Foundation blog, uh, they see a name call with TM Forum coming quite often. Um, what is it that you guys are doing with them? Yeah, uh, yeah. TM Forum. It's uh, first of all, it's uh, uh, it's an alliance. It's having among its members more than eight hundred, maybe maybe a thousand now of uh, uh, different and various uh, stakeholders that are playing in the telecommunication telco uh, arena. So they can be from telecommunication operator known as. Uh, communication service provider, uh, those actually that give us access, uh, let's say, to uh, phone services, not only voice anymore or text message, but data, uh, IoT device, connect to uh, 5G network and so on and so forth. Uh, there are also those that basically are uh, delivering service on top of that, value-added service uh, that all these carrier uh, communication service provider need, need to leverage. And this can be, again, the building, all these sort of uh, services, and also all the new, uh, they're called hyperscaler, all the new, uh, let's say, cloud provider that allow to uh, enhance uh, the technology and the uh, reachability of the technology, uh, the scalability, and so on and so forth, with, 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 so on and so forth with cloud service. We joined the TM Forum uh, as, a, as a member as well uh, in the Yota Foundation back to 2018. And the main activity is because, yes, the telecommunication industry, I have to say that uh, it's an industry that, of course, it's a multi-billion industry uh, overall. Uh, we all know how much important it is for us being connected with a, with, a, with a mobile phone and all these sort of digital services. Uh, but it's also a very much regulated uh, industry as well. So if you think about roaming, all these sort of things, uh, there is a lot of data exchange about me using my phone abroad in order to be built and so on and so forth. But these are to be very much regulated on how all this happens. So the industry is big. The industry is a, a big potential for innovation uh, to solve even this simple problem of, uh, let's say, exchanging data and the roaming, because you always require different parties to sit between the different network to uh, validate this data exchange. We all understand that distributed ledger blockchain can give the source of truth that remove all of these, these barriers, but it's also a regulated industry. So the innovation uh, that happens there, although the potential is a lot, it's low. And uh, in order to, let's say, uh, somehow uh, speed up a bit this or somehow uh, identifying uh, innovation opportunity, the TM Forum has what is called Catalyst uh, Program. So the Catalyst program is actually uh, a set of innovation playground, let's call this way, uh, where telecommunication uh, operator, member of the TM forum, uh, comes together with a, a service provider, technology provider, like IOTA, like the other that I mentioned, building system uh, or uh, infrastructure management system, resource system, and so on and so forth. Uh, and they come together with a challenge. So they want to innovate in a specific domain. Can be roaming, can be many other things. And they offer this challenge and the technology provider have to come up with a solution that is still, let's say, uh, a bit more than a proof of concept. It's, uh, let's say, a demonstration that the, the, the solution uh, and this different technology working together, like Internet of Things, AI, and distributed ledger, 
can can provide can provide benefits. So we have been part of uh, TM Forum since 2018, and we have been involved in some of these catalyst activities. And that's probably what you read about. So you read about our work done with other telecommunication uh, domain partners in order to deliver innovative way of solving uh, telecommunication industry problems uh, through the catalyst. So we have been uh, involved in a number of them. Uh, there was an endeavor between uh, the previous person who was overseeing these activities and me uh, back in 2020. And since then, in 2020, I follow a few catalysts. Uh, I can quickly uh, give a, uh, an idea of what these catalyst activities were about. Uh, in the first one I joined, for instance, we were, uh, let's say, try to understand how infrastructure, in this case, telecommunication infrastructure, not the electric infrastructure, we discussed about it uh, at the beginning, how the telecommunication infrastructure can uh, evolve. So, so far, we had the idea of a monolith uh, infrastructure, where basically every communication service provider uh, owns part of it. So, you know, the telecom in Italy, maybe not very much, the Deutsche Telekom in Germany, uh, there is uh, the British Telecom and so on and so forth. They have their own infrastructure, they have their own uh, systems on top of that, their own, their own, their own customer and, and so on. And they have to manage that. But the idea gets start to emerge is that that is a very big, what is called in, in, in a, let's say, a business term, a capital investment, CapEx. So they need to build this infrastructure and they know they have customers, but they don't know for how long that customer will be there. They don't know if their customer will grow, their customer will go down and so on and so forth. So, so it brings also risk. Uh, and they have also to maintain this infrastructure. So that is called OPEX. So the idea that start to emerge now is that uh, uh, can we move from also for the telecommunication uh, domain from the idea of monolith infrastructure that somebody owns and use for its own customers more an infrastructure as a service. So where actually me as a British telecom uh, or Orange, uh, in this case, that Catalyst was actually with Orange uh, from France. So I don't need to only rely on my own infrastructure and when I need uh, uh, something else I need to build, I need to expand my infrastructure. But can I basically access on-demand infrastructure from another carrier provider, so from uh, uh, a neighbor one. So uh, maybe in the UK, where, where I spend most of my time, most of my uh, professional career, British and Vodafone, uh, they can exchange portion of infrastructure uh, on demand. So, and this leads to a set, a set of problems. So that uh, basically we need to account who is actually using the infrastructure of a third party, uh, how much, for how long, uh, how to build uh, this, and we all quite can grasp that having a layer of uh, single source of truth where this kind of information are shared like a ledger, like a blockchain uh, available uh, can, uh, can bring a lot of uh, possible automation. You don't need to have anybody sitting in between uh, checking who is actually using, taking notes, and uh, then provide the billing or eventually stop uh, using the infrastructure uh, if something goes wrong, uh, automate with use of smart contract. So this is what this catalyst start to, uh, let's say, test and experiment. So what kind of layer we need to put from a blockchain point of view, from a ledger point of view, in this case, IOTA, to make this concept of 
let's say, uh, infrastructure as a service possible. And we actually developed in that uh, uh, catalyst uh, what we call the telco asset manager marketplace. So where all the different, let's say, uh, telecommunication providers that have infrastructure components like cell tower, uh, uh, Wi-Fi uh, deployment and so on and so forth can make this available in a marketplace. So where, when there is a service to be delivered, an example you can imagine, for instance, is producing and um, is providing connectivity in very crowded area like concerts. So everybody's experiment that when you go to a concert, uh, you want to upload these days your Instagram picture, uh, it takes ages. So that's why, because the number of cells, especially from your network operator, your network provider, uh, it's limited for that huge amount of customer all in the same place at the time, plan to do the same operation. So in that case, will be very uh, easy if your provider on demand, uh, when it's needed, can offload you on nearby infrastructure provided by another, uh, let's say, uh, provider uh, that is not uh, that uh, used or congested. So, and this requires a marketplace. This requires a place where your provider put the request and was uh, able to satisfy them from another network, uh, offer the service, and then get bill. So that's what we did in the uh, in that uh, let's say uh, catalyst uh, when I joined. Uh, the TM forum leading the, the involvement of IOTA. And it was quite interesting, but you can understand that this is very advanced innovation, which is that we proved the point, we can do that. The ledger plays a role. IOTA plays one of the best <laughs> options because of the reduced energy consumption. There is a lot of now uh, looking also how uh, sustainable energy efficient is 5G. So you don't want to uh, overload now uh, the efficiency of 5G with inefficiency of uh, an infrastructure that is alleged uh, to deliver this new solution. So, and that's what IOTA doesn't because IOTA is actually very energy efficient. Other blockchain can't be, can't do that. So we didn't want to even experiment with different ledger to provide this ledger for this marketplace. So, and IOTA was a very good uh, alternative that the experiment, we know that works, but of course, to get to this point now, there is a lot of more changes that have to happen. The technology is there, so we'll see these changes probably happening uh, soon in a two-year time, probably, uh, where we'll start to see this marketplace. And we know already that IOTA was there experimenting this with the TM Forum in their catalyst activities. So this, this is one example. We have gone, uh, gone through many other catalysts. So we have done uh, three under my uh, technical leadership. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. If we continue to do that, uh, or we slow down a bit, but we prove the point. And the idea maybe of slowing down is also because the innovation potential is there, but now we demonstrate this, and now we need to uh, let the industry be ready for adopting them. So when the industry will be ready to adopt that, we know, we prove, we have report, we have brought, uh, uh, let's say, uh, technical paper, a white paper uh, of the role of IOTA, and IOTA will be ready also as a production ready technology to deliver this. Uh, one of the things uh, that was very important anyway from this work in the TM forum is what we learn and what actually uh, support the idea of the infrastructure development team that I discussed at the beginning. So the idea of uh, 
basically facilitate the use and access to the ledger for the functionality that the ledger and the framework second layer protocol can provide rather than, let's say, uh, ask people to learn coding and build a team and so on and so forth. Is that, yes, the telecommunication industry, like many other, uh, it's one industry that likes very much using this digital ledger, but likes also very much the, uh, let's say, the simple way to access. So they are all the way for APIs, for uh, basically uh, cloud services and so on and so forth. That makes it much easier for them, for this communication service provider to adopt distributed ledger technologies. Because we have to know that distributed uh, ledger technologies, like I said, require uh, some skill set. Communication service provider, they're good in providing the communication services, but they're not good in building uh, new services uh, on their own, so they have to rely on third party. So if we understand that to for them use distributed ledger, that let's say entry barrier on how to access the ledger functionality need to be lower as much as possible because otherwise there is a need of for them to involve new skills, to involve new service provider, and so on and so forth. That will make that process that I mentioned before even slower. So that's what was the understanding and the validation as well. And being in the TM forum, and I conclude. Uh, was also good for this because we understood that, uh, that the industry will adopt Ledger when the time is mature, but they already know the value. Only if the Ledger is it will be adopted, so they don't require much uh, skill development. Uh, and they will adopt with APIs. And another interesting thing where we contribute and we work in the TM Forum is that TM Forum is producing a huge catalog of open APIs. The idea of that is that actually they want to create a reference architecture. Architecture, uh, they have their ODA, let's say, initiative, uh, open uh, digital architecture initiative, that help to align the work of, of all the telecommunication uh, industry across the world through a set of well-defined open APIs and work of IOTA Foundation done in the. Uh, TM Forum as part of this catalyst also contributed to the creation of the updates of existing TM Forum APIs. Some of them have to be expanded with the idea of uh, the actor that is performing an action now can be identified using uh, the centralized identity, the ID that can be verified uh, using the DID process. Before it was only verified using uh, any other uh, authentication system like OAuth and things like that. So that was also a contribution, a learning and a contribution that IOTA did as part of the TM Forum, understanding how APIs that already exist or new APIs can be also ledger ready for the telecommunication industry. And this, I think, concludes my, uh, let's say, uh, fly over the activity that we have done in the TM Forum. <laughs> Hopefully, I didn't uh, spend too much time. I didn't start to lose attention. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's very exciting. It's a very broad area you guys are developing in. Um, but what other type of projects are you working on with the team? Yeah, at the moment we have, uh, this was the TM Forum activities in parallel. Like I said, we understood that TM Forum give us the opportunity to experiment new use cases, new innovation potential for the future and understand some of the requirements. But at the same time, understood the need of uh, we need to get some kind of sustainable inside the team. So I have funding that comes also from outside because all of this work, uh, it's an investment. So, and 
can lead to a greater result, tangible outcome, or can lead to learn that actually that's not the right place we should be. And that's not the right, maybe this will be the ledger, a blockchain, that's not actually that, that the right uh, technology to be involved. So we have to the risk a bit of this activity. So in parallel to that, I start to look into uh, building this sustainability, building this funding opportunity uh, for the foundation and for the team. So start to look into uh, European grants, which is something that I did in the last 20 years since I, I graduated uh, in, in my study and then I worked in my research group uh, with, my, with my supervisor. So that was very much in my background. So we start to look into that and we secure quite a number of projects that at the moment uh, uh, they are currently, um, I think four or five that are running. And uh, the idea again is that these are probably sometimes sector specific. Uh, they target different domains. So we have a product called InsurSec that targets security in e-commerce. We have a product called uh, uh, Orchestra that targets uh, uh, optimization of uh, and orchestration of traffic uh, and multimodal mobility in smart cities uh, for people and also goods. Uh, we have a project that is called uh, Second, uh, which actually targets the security of uh, health uh, related data and as well uh, device, medical device. So all of them have somehow uh, a vertical where they focus, where they work with other stakeholders that are part of this uh, domain to deliver a solution that it's giving an improvement with respect to the current process and using the ledger. But the way we try to work uh, all the funding, <laughs> we try to work in a team that is much more horizontal. So in each project we abstract from what the product needs from the ledger. And most of the time so far, we need the use of identity, the centralized digital identities to empower, let's say, uh, exchange of information, validation of uh, uh, access information between different uh, ecosystem and uh, use of streams uh, in order to secure, guarantee the immutability integrity of this information. So, but again, we start from a project that has a very clear outcome, which is not up to us to deliver, but more to the business partner. And we extract from a technology point of view, the requirements that help us to understand, okay, what layer of technology on top of IOTA ledger we have to build to make possible this solution, make possible another solution and so on and so forth in this set of projects that we have. And uh, we came out with uh, one project uh, from InsureSec, we came out with the idea of providing what we call integration services. You might have seen some, some of reference in, in my Twitter feed. Uh, now we call integration cloud services. So there we start to abstract uh, and create APIs for uh, basically uh, streams as a service and identity as a service. Because all of these stakeholders in particular in the e-commerce uh, domain, so they have one problem. So they need to share information uh, that prevent them uh, to mitigate or even uh, uh, stop before they happen uh, cyber physical threat, cyber physical attack. And they need a, an infrastructure where information can be shared. You can uh, identify very uh, safely who is actually the source of information. So it's not actually the attacker itself that's ingesting uh, into the platform a, a, a fake information. And that information actually uh, can be accessed by 
a respected party. So actually sharing information doesn't create further, let's say, uh, risk of cyber physical attack if it's uh, accessed by, by, by hackers. So uh, that's a very good place for distributed ledger to help this different ecosystem uh, uh, that compose the e-commerce like uh, e-commerce marketplace, payment systems, uh, bank, uh, and so on and so forth to exchange all this signal, all this information, but they want to do in an easy way. So, and we, we designed a, a platform, well, the platform, we didn't design the platform, we did we designed the service that allowed to access IOTA because IOTA is the platform by designing some APIs. And we decided to call these uh, APIs integration cloud services because every party that want to leverage uh, streams as a service, identity as a service through these APIs can download, install, uh, their Docker container can start to uh, transact data information on the Yota ledger on one end, on the other end can verify that actually the source of this data is, uh, uh, let's say, uh, trusted and uh, uh, the access to access data can be guaranteed by giving, uh, let's say, access using verifiable credential attached to the centralized digital identity. So without requiring, in this case, again, to put and the identity system in between a large ecosystem of factors that are not known that require costs and require also uh, uh, yes cost to be built, validated and it brings also a new uh, attack vector that can be happen if you centralize all the identity system in one place. So in a short sec, we learn this. So we build this decentralized way of. Uh, providing identity, verifying identity, and sharing information on top of the IOTA, the IOTA ledger. So, uh, and now what we are doing is not that we throw that away, <laughs> we are using the other projects uh, or leave it there. So these are open source software that we hope somebody else now in the community will find beneficial to use them without building again the same or similar tools so they can use it, they're tested, they're validated, they go through security assessment from other project partners partners that have these skills. So, but what I'm saying is that even in the foundation, in the infrastructure development team, we don't throw them away. We don't start again from scratch, but we start to build other Lego building blocks on top of them. So we start to uh, understand new requirements, new services, new microservices that we have to uh, put on top of this uh, initial uh, set of service to deliver the needs of other uh, projects. So for instance, now in, uh, uh, orchestra, uh, we are looking into uh, connecting a, a vehicle, uh, B2B, a vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication. So because we learn again from stakeholders that traffic optimization orchestration can be much uh, better if there is an exchange of information. If you think about now uh, shipment in a port uh, coming in and be delayed, so there is a lot of uh, uh, infrastructure already in place, for instance, for road, uh, now to, to rail uh, transport that is waiting for this cargo to arrive. If this cargo is delayed, uh, you can use uh, the track that are waiting at the port for something else. And all of this mainly comes from different company, different uh, transport provider that hardly talk each other. So if you have a delay, you just, as a truck driver, you wait for that delayed shipment and you don't do anything. If this vehicle can start to communicate, uh, then you can optimize much more this because your shipment, your cargo, your container will communicate a delay uh, to the truck and the truck driver can start to uh, be reassigned to other uh, 
load uh, of goods and things like this. So, but again, all these stakeholders, they want a platform where they can put information, worry the information, need to know the source of information. They know that this real information is not trying to disrupt the system. Uh, who put information is to control actually what's this information. And again, being them uh, not at the beginning working together, they need something that uh, helps them to work together. So they need a decentralized identity system. Uh, they need a ledger where to share this information. And again, the service that we build, they work, but they work to some extent because some of the API that we uh, design are designed for uh, different kinds of system for ERP. Uh, system database uh, to exchange their data. Now we are talking about vehicles. So what we are doing is that the infrastructure is there, the microservice architecture is there, the integration cloud services there, but we will expand with new interfaces, new interfaces that allow B2B communication and B2B exchange and verification credential and so on and so forth. So these are some of the projects we are working on and that's the way we work in a more horizontal way in the infrastructure development team developing and building and giving out uh, to the community this Lego building block, Lego microservice that can be reused and that we do the effort uh, to prove that they have value in some use case, we develop technology that's production ready and we hope that somebody else can, can, can see much more benefit than uh, we initially do uh, in this public project. Uh, that's our, our core activity. Mm. And uh what makes these these projects important for the IOT Foundation and the IOT community? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's about it. So uh, I stress already this, but yeah, the, the idea is really that for the foundation, it's a way to generate value uh, out of uh, uh, public resource that we actually uh, put effort to, to to acquire. So these these grants are nothing uh, simple, nothing. Uh, granted or if they're called grants uh, that you will, will you will win so they have a success rate of five percent among all the the applicants so there is a high a huge number of applications and five percent when you are lucky succeed so we have been very lucky i would say first of all because we shouldn't underestimate luck uh, but we also been very good in establishing a connection with the right consortium of partners and also good in actually uh, pinpoint very well the value of distributed ledger and also uh, again lucky because <laughs> the technology uh, I represent <laughs> and I believe in uh, is actually a very good technology. <laughs> so the IOTA uh, ledger and technology and all the other framework tick many boxes that you, you have to tick when you create these this, this grants. So and one of, of for all is the sustainability, so not adding extra or too many extra costs to deliver a solution that, uh, for instance, uh, yeah, solve one problem, can create some uh, value, some money saving for who actually use this solution, but have a huge energy cost and demand that uh, basically <laughs> level up <laughs> the, the benefit. So IOTA is nothing like that. So we always been, uh, yes, probably also involved in this kind of activities because of uh, the extreme value of the technology. So uh, having said that, with the difficulties to acquire them, uh, the benefit is that, like I said, we de risk some of our innovation activities. So we do something, we test the use of the ledger in some domain, 
we build technology that is uh, then open source uh, with extra funding, funding that doesn't come from the foundation uh, or for bigger part doesn't come from the foundation. And this is the best way to test innovation in this domain that is still very much uh, evolving. And for the community, it's actually our approach to this project. So it's a, a, the approach to develop generic enabler, let's call this way, uh, that can be reused by anybody else now in the community that doesn't need to focus on how I get access to the ledger or I get access to IOTA or IOTA framework, but rather what, what cool thing I can develop on it. And uh, that's my expertise as a company. That's my uh, domain knowledge and what kind of cool solution I can build and deliver to, to, to whoever uh, we will use, it will be my target group. So we don't need, they don't need to, to focus on that. Technology is open source, reusable. It's a bit more, I don't know if you heard about Fireware Foundation uh, uh, and the different technology to empower smart cities, service providers, SMEs, small and medium enterprise that deliver services for uh, smart cities. It's about this, it's about creating those generic enablers that allow them to access data, sensor data, uh, deliver, uh, for instance, uh, analyzing data with AI and so on and so forth, and then put the solution on top. So that's the same approach, that's the same way that we want to empower the, the community. So we give you the building blocks, we give you the uh, hard part to, to for instance, uh, creating your uh, data streams and so on and so forth, and you focus on what you're gonna do after that so and that's the way we think we can empower community to work on the lecture mm. and what is it that your team is working on within ebsi yeah uh yeah actually ebsi uh, don't know if you have already uh, somebody talking extensively about this uh in a short i will i will say uh, ebsi uh it's basically creating the uh new uh, generation of uh, uh, a pan-European, let's say, uh, distributed ledger infrastructure that allow European member states to provide services for their uh, citizens. So in a much more efficient way that doesn't require any more a centralized network, but leverage the power of uh, uh, distributed ledger and other framework like decentralized identities and so on and so forth. So, and there was a first version built on, let's say, uh, First, ver second version of blockchain. Now they're looking to much more scalable, energy efficient uh, technologies. And IOTA, of course, uh, we know, uh, <laughs> play uh, an important role in that. And we have been uh, awarded uh, with this tender uh, for the phase one and phase two way of the tender. Uh, and my team, uh, my team, I wouldn't call my team. So let's say the people I work with inside EPSI uh, focus. Uh, on, a, on the top level. So EBSI can be seen as a, let's say, uh, enterprise architecture that we have to, to deliver and to develop uh, for the European uh, Commission, satisfying the requirement of scalability, energy efficiency, and so on and so forth. And of course, we have the core ledger functionality. The ledger needs to be ultra scalable for uh, what they call high volume, high velocity of uh, uh, data use cases. Uh, and then you have uh, the different, let's say, uh, IOTA framework uh, or in, gen in general blockchain framework that contribute to this, like uh, smart contracts, 
in our case, streams, uh, identity, of course. And then you have the service layer. So the layer that allow every user to, like I described before, to easily interact uh, with the ledger and with the, with the uh, framework that are underneath and that sits on top of the highly scalable uh, distributed ledger technology. And even on top of that, there is the need to prove that the architecture works, satisfy some of the, of the needs. And there is a need to develop some specific use cases uh, that prove how this use case can be built leveraging the underneath technology. So uh, EPSI wants all of this <laughs> in this phase. And uh, uh, it wants in particular that we prove the value of using this ledger technology at European level for two specific use cases. One it's uh, uh, called the digital product passport. So digital product passport is an idea that uh, uh, it's quite recent. It's the idea of uh, tracking the life uh, of a good uh, from creation to use to reuse, finally recycling and then eventually disposing it uh, to support some sort of circular economy. So we know that uh, raw material are going to be scarcer and scarcer. Uh, and, uh, they also bring pollution uh, every time we need to extract, but also every time we need to manufacture new, uh, new goods, new, new kind of uh, uh, device or whatever. And uh, uh, they also bring uh, pollution uh, uh, when they need to be moved from the production side to the uh, distribution side, everything like this. And we know there are also a lot of uh, <laughs> ambition by 2030 then 2050 and so on and so forth to be much more sustainable, uh, climate uh, protection uh, oriented. This is called uh, from the Europe, uh, UN uh, Sustainable uh, Development Goals, in particular Sustainable Development Goals number nine. So product passport sits in this, in this domain. So if you know the history of uh, a good, and I will give you the example of which good we are talking about now. So we can better understand how this is used uh, how this can be recycled, uh, remanufactured, and put again into the circular economy or finally disposed. So the idea of this uh, digital product passport uh, uh, build on top of two features. So one is the data that are part of this digital product passport need to be trusted, immutable, uh, entirely need to be verified. And again, the identity of who put the data again need to be verified and the identity of who access this data because some case can be confidential data need to be uh, verified as well. And we understand that a good like now I'll go into the details, <laughs> an electric vehicle batteries, uh, battery uh, or a consumer electronic device like a laptop uh, can change many owner. And uh, these are owner that don't know each other. They don't talk to each other. They don't trust each other. So they need a layer here, like a ledger, <laughs> where this information can be shared, trusted, and access regulated with the centralized identity. So to create a product passport that actually, when then collect information, is accessed by the right party, allow, allow all this flow of uh, uh, information sharing action to be taken and eventually disposal or a circular economy be reused, like a battery can be reused if it's still, uh, its life is not ended because we know how many charging cycle yet. If the car has an accident, we can just take it and uh, then 
refurbish and put in another car. Uh, but if you don't have this information, we can't access this information, then it's not possible. When we know the end of cycle is uh, ended, uh, we can actually dispose and recycle correctly. We avoid to uh, pollute the environment with harmful, uh, let's say, uh, hazardous uh, components, so on and so forth. That's uh, an example where product passports uh, are useful, as well as consumer electronics like laptop and so on and so forth. So we know that in the uh, uh, modern world and company life cycle of a laptop is three years, but there are other places where this laptop can be used in uh, uh, less developed countries and so on and so forth before they're disposed. And when they're disposed, there are a lot of component and material that we all experience the scarcity of material with the uh, pandemic can actually be taken back from, from, from this consumer electronics, this laptop before being discarded and be used for new laptop to be created. So all of this is something that also Dell, you might have heard, uh, is looking into. So all of this is what it's a digital product passport enabled. So European Commission is pushing uh, all the participants in EPSI to try to develop their own version of the digital product passport sitting on top of the EPSI infrastructure which is a legend, a legend infrastructure. And in this case, they want to see this built uh, on IOTA. Cutting short now on the question that we start from, what uh, the people I work with in EPS is doing, we are actually building uh, a prototype and then uh, going into uh, demonstration and then pilots of a digital product passport for consumer electronics uh, at this stage, but will be extended with the electric vehicle batteries uh, as well. Uh, that's one of the use case. And we do this by using the layer of uh, services uh, that I said in the uh, EPSI uh, enterprise architecture uh, sits on top of the IOTA framework. And part of this uh, basically, let's say, uh, services uh, that we use are, again, the integration cloud service I mentioned before that we are now adapting to this new role and expanding uh, uh, even further. Uh, and the second use case that the European Commission is, uh, want to see develop on top of uh, our version, IOTA version of EBS infrastructure, uh, it's an uh, uh, intellectual property and management use case. So again, intellectual property <laughs> is very difficult to uh, track, so to identify violation of intellectual properties and also uh, identify the owner of some intellectual property and eventually uh, sharing revenue loyalties, uh, royalties uh, linked to uh, intellectual property use. Again, this is in an innovative way. If you now think about all the freelancer peer-to-peer -peer market where intellectual property can be, uh, let's say, developed as part of a relation, work relation that happen on a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, uh, platform like Upwork, things like this. So you want to be able to track uh, this uh, use of intellectual property and their own issue. And the idea again there is that this is a bit of ledger, any particular, in this case, smart contract can be uh, a good uh, enable for this, for decentralizing this process. So we don't need to, again, put all the intellectual properties uh, <laughs> developed in one platform uh, or another, uh, but we can enable much more this peer-to-peer uh, uh, -peer freelancer uh, interaction work with the protecting as well the freelancer that they don't lose uh, their intellectual property uh, if they is not managed uh, correctly if they don't have their own lawyer and so on and so forth. Again, a very 
expensive process. And it's also something that uh, it's time and money consuming and uh, prevent some of these uh, party to, to access uh, marketplaces. So the idea there again is that we are working with another uh, third party company that has already a solution, uh, which is called Uncommon Digital uh, for managing this peer-to-peer -peer exchange of intellectual property uh, rights uh, using again, IOTA and IOTA uh, smart contract and so on and so forth. So as part of this, we are again designing, adapting an initial solution, a mobile app that allowed to do this, uh, involve a creator of IP, a buyer of IP, and eventually an arbiter to solve uh, issue and dispute, uh, and leverage underlying authorization from, from the ledger. And of course, need a smart contract. So as part of this, we also expand the integration uh, cloud services with the ability to, for instance, uh, connect to a validator network, uh, in this case, the Goshimmer network, uh, to spin up uh, some validator nodes uh, on demand and uh, as well to deploy this, let's say, uh, IP management, uh, we call smart contract, uh, IOT agreement and uh, IP exchange uh, uh, smart contract on demand when a transaction, uh, sorry, an interaction between a creator and a buyer of IP happens. So this is what uh, uh, the team I'm working uh, is uh, uh, looking into building and uh, demonstrating for EBSI. So we are, at, let's say, the last two layer of uh, uh, the EBSI uh, architecture, which otherwise is composed by core technology where the research team is working uh, and the framework uh, part where the uh, engineering team is working and colleagues from uh, the foundation are working. Hmm. And are you doing any work to support like circular economy? Yeah, exactly this. This one is uh, uh, probably go a bit ahead and too many uh, information. But yes, the, the circular economy focus now, it's very much uh, into this aspect of uh, digital cloud passport and uh, uh, circular economy for uh, uh, like consumer electronics. Like I said, uh, a work that in EPSI we are doing with e-reuse. E reuse is a, a small and medium uh, organization from uh, uh, Spain that actually helped to refurbish laptop and give back uh, to uh, people that might still find value in using them when they are dismissed uh, by other uh, users and so on and so forth. So, uh, and this way, yes, we enable uh, circularity uh, around uh, laptop, like I said, up to their possible reuse until they need to be disposed and maybe component can be sourced for next and new, gen and new generation laptop. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, Dell is also looking into this. Maybe you will have somebody else talking about that that is actually working uh, with Dell. Uh, and also we are looking into this from the electric vehicle uh, battery side. So we are uh, in the second phase, uh, second, second phase of FG. <laughs> if we go ahead, we will also try to uh, adapt we already start to study. We also try to adapt this uh, concept of uh, uh, digital passport to electric uh, vehicle batteries. And uh, you all know that uh, uh, IOTA Foundation uh, funded uh, the Imperial College uh, iLab uh, that actually is focusing on circular economy use cases and the use of IOTA ledger uh, uh, for circular economy. And all of that use case will also probably match some of the requirements and the tools that we are building for EPSI. So we'll be able to provide support for them to deliver even uh, improve even more value of uh, IOTA ledger as a technology for circular economy, which is again, circular economy is all about being much more 
efficient in terms of pollution and energy efficiency. Uh, and what I want to stress is that you can do this with a ledger infrastructure that yes, can bring benefits if that, that ledger infrastructure doesn't bring also the value of being energy efficient, not requiring a lot of energy to be consumed and produced and also be accessible to everybody. So, because if it's an infrastructure that is very efficient, energy efficient, but you need to pay for access or you need to pay high transaction fees and so on and so forth. It won't have the scalability and the accessibility for every stakeholder in every country uh, to deliver this digital product passport. So we can't think on a digital product passport attached to uh, goods now that have a value that maybe it's very high that can cover the cost of creating a digital product passport on ledger infrastructure. Because if you want to be efficient and deliver sustainable uh, goal uh, for our sustainability, the future of our planet, we need to be able at some point to apply digital product passport even to goods and products that have very little value, uh, market value, but still make be very harmful for the environment bring pollution for their creation and so on and so forth. And for that, we definitely need an infrastructure where if we create sharing of data, this digital product passport uh, uh, at a cost, the cost need to be minimum, if not zero. And IOTA, feel a structure, uh, energy efficiency is perfect for circular economy. So that's why also there's <laughs> a good match with the Imperial College activities. And uh, of course, uh, going further, uh, this is expanded also in another grant that will fund a few PhD students working on circular economy topic, which is called circular. Uh, all of this closed the loop of <laughs> IOTA being involved into uh, delivering uh, technology enabling for uh, circular economy, starting from EPSI and evolving in all the other collaboration that we have. Yeah. And it would like it wouldn't make sense then to, to have it on IOTA instead of some traditional solution. Um, you you guys are also working quite a lot of with uh, academia. Uh, why is that important for IOTA? Yeah, yeah, they work with academia. I quickly go through now uh, the the collaboration with Imperial. Uh, we have done collaboration with the uh, uh, University of Padua in the past. Now we are trying to establish a new collaboration. We have done also collaboration with the uh, Links Foundation. So the the, the academic uh, work it's on one side. Uh, to leverage, uh, there are some organizations that are very much, let's say, uh, industry-oriented, uh, applied research. Uh, so they have their own, let's say, network of uh, industry that they go to them, they ask them to build solutions, they ask them to uh, deliver new value for their scenario, their use cases. So, And academia is actually a good vector now to expose this network of company that sits behind a, 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 a university. I personally uh, spend my, uh, some of my uh, after graduation postdoc activities in the University of Surrey in England. And the University of Surrey in England has a very big network of, uh, especially the department I was part of, of uh, uh, telecommunication. That's why my interest also in telecommunication uh, operator uh, and network provider uh, like BT, but also working with hyperscaler uh, uh, Amazon network operator like Fujitsu and so on and so forth. So all of them, they go to academia and they ask, we want to innovate, tell us how to innovate. 
So now, if you work with an academic uh, group that have this kind of relation and you work on a on project that rely uh, on a yacht and it's a bit of ledger, this kind of collaboration become important because when they will have to offer a solution for their industrial partner, they will think about a solution with a yota. So in this will, on the one side, help to steer the direction where a yota development research should go and doing it because you are also access academic, uh, let's say partner with that background that is needed for that. And they also get validation from industry and they get pushed to the industry uh, for building the, the, the solutions of the problem that they, they have. So that's uh, why academic collaboration uh, is good. And also <laughs> it's good because academic, uh, I was an academic myself as well. I've been in academia after uh, uh, getting my master with my PhD and postdoc and things like this for over 10 years, probably a bit more. Uh, academic also need to, other than love to publish. And all the publication that academic uh, do, uh, they get peer review. So it's not anymore a publication that goes uh, on internet and say, yeah, we published something. So all of this work need to be reviewed by other people. And when you get the work on IOTA, on IOTA core research, uh, also validated in this way uh, by external uh, academy that collaborate with us and publish and then peer review, uh, you get the confirmation that what you are talking about <laughs> is valid. It's, uh, uh, it's strong. It's not like yet another project that tried to build a blockchain that come out overnight and uh, try to promote itself with very good marketing, but not uh, that kind of validation. So that's also why academia, it's very important, was part of my background. We did some collaboration. We hope to do more in the future. Mm. So what's coming next and like, where's your focus within the information? Yeah, uh, next, uh, I come, as I said, from, uh, a movement, uh, but my, my, let's say, uh, career touch most of the new, uh, let's say emerging technology, uh, technologies. When I, when I start my, my study, there was wireless sensor network, uh, networks, and there was now internet of things and that's where was my focus initially i started to look into how sensor generate data and how this data can be transferred to a point where we can analyze the data and back then long time ago i'm actually quite old now <laughs> i see this as a very uh, far past uh, of my life uh, the difficulties was actually to communicate uh, data because technology was wireless was zigbee was not long range and things like this so you need to do many, many complex interaction. Then I moved to say, okay, we have the data, let's extract a value from this data. So for instance, we have data from energy consumption in a building. So let's extract this data to understand pattern of how people can best optimize their energy consumption, for instance, uh, in a working environment at the, build, uh, at the working desk, uh, for instance, not leaving the screen on when they go for a coffee and so on and so forth. After to in-house uh, smart home automation, how this can be leveraged to based on the pattern that we learn from the data that the IoT collect, how to make a house more energy efficient. So, and this was part of that. And then I moved to understand, okay, these data <laughs> are very valuable, give us a lot of insight, uh, but uh, they're also very personal data. 
And uh, at some point also GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation came into force. And another movement like my data uh, starts say, let's stop with web two, have all the data uh, collected by big aggregate for losing control on our privacy and regain control on, on it. And back then I already start to see how blockchain and distributed ledger can help to enable this, uh, this, 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 this uh, uh, movement, this me regaining uh, control of my data and decide who actually can process the data for which purpose, which benefit and be sure that the data are only used for that purpose uh, and, so, and so on and so forth. So, and that's where before joining IOTA, I was actually leading to, I was working as a, a lead uh, technology for personal data and trust. So actually understanding what kind of solution we have to build. But again, it was too early because now we talk about Web3, decentralized identities as a way for us to uh, regain control and shift from Web2 to Web3 uh, and this new way of uh, transacting and managing data. And since now times are mature, I trying to go back to my uh, original love and try to focus even more now to um, identity and decentralized identity and what decentralized identity can uh, basically uh, enable uh, and this kind of self-sovereign uh, control on the data uh, we, can, we can achieve. So because again, technology was there, technology starts to mature, but now we develop an amazing IOT identity framework. We have some sort of, uh, as well, uh, identity as a service for those that are less uh, techy uh, to include with the integration cloud services uh, and so on and so forth. But now there is another element. So the businesses also, they start to have this finally paradigm shift from web two to web three, because they understand the customer want control on their data. So they start to look into uh, this kind of uh, uh, basically enabler, enabler for Web3, like decentralized identities uh, and, there are, and other NFTs and things like this. We'll talk uh, quickly later. But yes, my focus will be now see what position again on a business level IOTA will have uh, for identity, uh, decentralized identities uh, in supporting Web3. Mm. And uh, an article I read a couple of days ago uh, regarding the European Union's digital wallets. Uh, like, what is that, and is IOTA involved in that? Yeah, and that's, that 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 ties very well. So, uh, with this, uh, we are not involved in that. So, at the moment, uh, the European digital wallet is actually producing, uh, let's say, a working group is producing specification on how this wallet we will have to look like, and they 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 they. they, they uh, structure of this wallet uh, brings to two elements. So brings to, first of all, the element of uh, what is the underlying, what are the uh, features of the underlying identity framework that is used for the centralized identity creation and uh, verifiable credential issuing and verification uh, that need to be compliant to some requirements. And also uh, what is the environment where this uh, uh, digital identity wallet is hosted? So it's a mobile app, it's a web browser and what are the security aspects and so on and so forth. And this ties as well to uh, some of the work that uh, IOTA uh, is doing in, in terms of secure store of secret and so on and so forth, like a stronghold. So uh, this has been, let's say, uh, developed elsewhere <laughs> as part of requirement and specification. So what I'm doing, uh, we are definitely following this up. Uh, we are actually looking into the different uh, tests that uh, 
the European Commission is uh, uh, proposing for understanding the conformance of your identity implementation for supporting an EU digital wallet. We are looking also at the requirement of security and so on and so forth. And with this, I'm actually working at the moment on a, a small collaboration we established with Universo Padua, which are uh, expert in uh, mobile, uh, secure mobile application and uh, 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 authentication authorization, uh, let's say, uh, tools cryptography and so on and so forth. So for understanding actually, are we complying to this requirement? What kind of change we need to do? And so on and so, on and so forth. And hopefully in future, when the framework of the EU digital wallet is established, we know if it is not already the case, what kind of action we'll have to take in order for IOTA to be the fully compliant technology and other tools to be there for then wallet developer that at that point can be even the foundation but your third party will go and refer to IOTA as a, a technology. So uh, that's uh, one thing in terms of, uh, uh, let's say, uh, how you say, uh, let's say of future potential that uh, with a digital wallet, uh, uh, you can bring future innovation. We are starting uh, to testing already this with uh, some of the projects I mentioned before. So for instance, I don't know if you had the chance, we design a age verification uh, solution that allow, for instance, customers now to go and buy age restricted items uh, on a marketplace like bottle of wine or whatever, uh, using their verifiable credentials. So now you have a customer that is already being registered to a bank. So the bank has done already uh, a KYC, uh, know your customer for that person. So he knows that that person is who actually came to be as a given age, for instance, it's above 18 and so on and so forth. And when this is done, there is no need to replicate this information to bring this information now to the marketplace provider to register maybe with my credit card, to register with my birth of date and require this uh, marketplace provider to go and verify this data with the cost and, and say, okay, yes, I can sell you the the wine if you buy online. So all of this can be done by moving the verification that the bank has to you uh, to your wallet as a verifiable credential. And then when you buy, you go on to buy uh, the bottle of wine uh, to move this to, uh, uh, to the, upload this to the e-commerce uh, website and marketplace and this be verified like to verify verifiable credential. You take the information there, you see the signature that is from the bank, you see the value that says it's uh, above 18 and then you sell uh, the, the, the age restricted item without need to actually verify uh, this person without need to collect data about him and store and maybe be hacked and have a, a problem because your system were not secure, especially if you're a small uh, seller. So you need to have a lot of compliance that actually is a burden. So uh, we start to test this in some real real scenario, real use case. And this was part of uh, uh, InsureSec project I mentioned where we work on this concept with Caixia Bank, so a large bank in Spain. And with that, we prove that when there will be the final specification of the digital wallet, these are a few of the uh, use cases where this can be adopted and IOT is already doing this. And then we try just to align and be sure that we are fully compliant to uh, the EU digital wallet regulation, uh, but already we know the technology can do that. So another example of this, we will probably test in second, another product is about health data. And you can attach this now 
information, not anymore to, uh, let's say, age-restricted item. I want to buy, I want to be sure that I am 18 years old. Uh, my, my, my seller want to be sure of that. Uh, but I can use this, for instance, when I, uh, I need to buy medication, I have some benefits, or uh, I need to be sure that I get the medication that is right for me. So I'm not going and trying to buy a medication or give a recipe uh, from the doctor to somebody else and buy something that is not belonging to me. So this, again, can be a verifiable credential that states what kind of medicine I, have, uh, uh, I need uh, from my doctor. So my doctor knows my condition, knows that issue. A verifiable credential digital certificate that goes into my wallet when I go either online or in person, try to buy something, I have to present this credential to be sure that I'm entitled to buy uh, this, this medication, whether it's discounted by government because it's supporting me because of some benefit, whether it's the right one, I'm not trying to get something that is for something else, not for me, and so on and so forth, uh, uh, avoiding uh, black market of medication and pharmacy, uh, pharmaceutical product. All these sort of things are also possible use case of uh, identity verifiable credential and uh, digital wallet help them to present from point A where they're collected to point B where they're consumed. This is something we are testing with a second again. Uh, we'll do very soon. And you might also understand that sometimes this verifiable credential have sensitive information. So you don't want to actually give this information uh, plain <laughs> to your uh, service provider, in one case, the pharmacy or the marketplace, but you want to only show that actually you have that features actually in the identity world that call attributes, uh, for instance, that you are above a given age or you are actually needing uh, a given medication. So, and this ties very well to some other work we are exploring, which is about zero knowledge proof and the ability to actually prove claims in this interactive way without actually revealing the value of the claim. So you have to prove that you have more than 18 years uh, uh, of age uh, old, but you don't need to say that you're 25, so maybe. Or you need to, uh, for instance, show that you are uh, needing a, a medication for insulin resistance, but you don't need to show that maybe you are diabetic as well. So all these sort of things ties very well with enhancing a future digital world with the ability of providing also genome proof on top of that. Mm -hmm. um, we also spoke, uh, like you touched briefly into uh, NFTs. Uh, what's your opinion about NFTs future? Well, NFT, NFTs are quite cool. And I like the very first wave of uh, how NFTs are used, uh, which is ties to digital art. Uh, I'm an art lover myself as well. I like more the, the paint uh, exhibited in, the, in my house if I'm lucky <laughs> that I have enough money to buy it or go and see in real life. So I like very much the fact that NFTs actually now create the possibility also for those, uh, uh, let's say, um, uh, authors that are not uh, artists that are not mainstream to get some visibility and uh, uh, yeah, to get recognized for their uh, uh, for their uh, for their art, their work, and to be yeah paid uh, as well. Uh, although yes, we always know that there are a lot of uh, uh, middlemen still in this in this in this in this world. So, Ayota is developing uh, Ayota community is developing on Ayota real uh, peer to peer uh, let's say uh, NFT marketplace, which is 
absolutely uh, awesome. This is what uh, we need to see. We need to see uh, more and more, more and more of this. Uh, we need to start to see also the again bringing the digital back to the physical, uh, whether it's a physical in my house or whether it's a physical in, in the metaverse, uh, sort of physical, physical virtual. So it's something that exists, but it's not just a number of uh, bits and bytes, but it's actually rendered as a as an real image again in the uh, in the uh, in the metaverse. All of these are, are very interesting, but uh, to me that I come as well from, uh, uh, let's say, uh, more data-oriented focus other than the uh, art lover. Uh, I like to see what also NFTs can do uh, in, uh, in other contexts, in other scenarios. So when we start to, uh, for instance, not only create non-fungible token for new business model, but also tokenize uh, energy production, for instance, and see how we can incentivize people to uh, create, install, for instance, solar panel, renewable energy source, because they tokenize them and they can get rewarded by this. Uh, when we talk again about NFTs, so going back to EPSI and the IP use case, we are actually using NFTs to actually hold that IP that uh, work between a, a creator and a buyer create in a generic way. It doesn't need to be art, but everything that is created and there's an IP, an intellectual property, can be represented by an NFT. And uh, it's unique, can be uh, can only be exchanged, but not be replaced. Uh, and it's actually a very interesting use case because we'll create the ability to remove a lot of middlemen in this industry, in this IP management. So these are uh, main focus, uh, my main focus for uh, uh, the future NFTs. Uh, especially NFTs like IOTA, which are uh, scalable and peerless, uh, that we I hope to see uh, more and more uh, uh, coming. Mm. Yeah, me too. Um, so we are getting to the end of the questions. Uh, well, well above an hour now. Uh, is there any final? Very sorry. Remarks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. It's been good. Uh, do you have any final remarks before you end the one? Yeah. Well, to keep it short, I would say uh, we work on a lot of things, <laughs> and it's a very hectic. Uh, uh, environment, but very rewarding because we can really see the, the results of our work. Uh, as you can imagine now, we are quite busy and we will be very happy to have some uh, other ends <laughs> uh, helping us. So one is pay attention to our GitHub look and give us feedback uh, on what we are building and uh, uh, or how to use what we're building that will be very, very, very interesting for us. Get engaged with us on Discord, uh, on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, and we are happy to, to, to understand your needs. So we are also establishing a process where we want to embed also, not only give the tools we are building to the community so they can use, but also embed feedback from the community also that we can already mature those tools ourselves and then give back. So be engaged with us and of course, look also to uh, our uh, job uh, page, if you fancy to work with uh, with IOTA, you got triggered by this uh, kind of work we are doing, but not only me, also the other teams and colleagues in IOTA, uh, do get in touch because uh, we, we are growing and we need to continue to grow to support uh, all these exciting things coming ahead of us. Mm. And I think also maybe if we're lucky, um the uh, EBSI update should probably come around the same time this episode launches, so that, that'd be exciting. That's very, very good, yes. That's mm. really good, so fingers crossed. 
great. So thank you so much, Mikael, for, for joining and coming to explain to us what, what you and the guys are up to. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Get behind the game. Well, thank, thank you very much, Thomas, for uh, having me. And it was an amazing uh, hour and 15 minutes, maybe longer, uh, together. And uh, yeah, I really hope that uh, uh, people will uh, enjoy this. And uh, very happy to talk on updates we have uh, in the future. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And great mate. work you are doing. Thank you, mate. Cheers.